1: Hello and welcome to Masoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journey of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad that you have joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce.
0: And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hey, Sarah Masoni, how has your week been this week? Well, last week... You mean oh? Because today's Monday. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Last week was good. I actually got to go over to Bend, and we were participated in a family friend's wedding, and that was fun. They rented the Skyliner Lodge, which is really cool. It's up by the Tumala Falls um, Park, and you can rent this old lodge. It has a big old kitchen and fireplaces and stuff and a nice grounds it's set up pretty much for a great venue for weddings and so we were out to, outside all day on Saturday I enjoyed it
1: that's really nice I feel like this is um, you know going to be the year of weddings I have so many gone weddings. to any for quite some time and now it's like all of them so I think you and I are both be bouncing around to all different places which that's kind of the cool thing about
0: it I'm going to yeah. be all over in California in the next couple of months at well, family weddings. Well, just to let you know, if anyone needs their hair done, I have been officially <laughs> um, deemed a good wedding hairdresser. Oh, great. So <laughs> I have to share pictures, but I, people were like, who did your hair?
1: Oh, man, I my hair looks exactly the same no matter where I go. <laughs> That's okay I mean, for everybody.
0: <laughs> just for some hair tips, if you're struggling with doing a new hair tip, hairdo or whatever there's so many people online and on youtube like telling you oh just twist this and do that and run this this way and boom you have a new hairdo (laughs) now if only I could do that for myself
1: yeah I'll have to watch some uh some youtube videos but I think I think my hair only does one thing
0: (laughs) I know it's
1: it's been the same for the last 20 years (laughs) And my daughter, you know, now has the same haircut because it's the only one I know how to do.
0: I I used to have the same haircut as my mom, too. I think it's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah.
1: It's how people identify that we're related for now, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Glasses and straight bangs. Although I was just looking at my bangs in our um, Zoom and I think. Oh, no, don't look (laughs) good. They look great. They look great. We're um, super excited. First, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> That's right.
0: Marketed Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local entrepreneurs so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farm, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. Thank you, Market of Choice.
1: Yeah, thanks, Market of Choice. I was going to say too, they, um, Market of Choice just put out a call. So for all of our, our maker listeners out there, um, they're not going to do like gift boxes this year. They're going to build oh. an end cap with local products and then people can um, make little baskets to give local gift baskets. So they're going to. Have some oh, that's
0: cool. stuff. I so think if they you, kind of already are doing those end caps. They're nice.
1: Yeah, I think they're nice. They're great. And it's a great way to highlight a lot a lot of our makers that are on here. Um, but if you are not in market of choice, this is might be a good time to get in. Sometimes if you're not in a store regularly, holiday is a great time to kind of yeah. get your way in there. And then if your product is well, then you can be on the shelves all the time. Yeah. So and those ho- little gift packs are awesome. Yeah. yeah. Holiday end caps are a good kind of in if you're not in there so far. Yeah. So we are excited to welcome our guests today. We are joined yes. by Sarah Wiener. Sarah is the executive director of the Good Food Foundation. The Good Food Foundation is a nonprofit organization with a mission to celebrate, connect, empower, and leverage the passionate players in the food system who are driving towards tasty, authentic and responsible food. That's that's a mouthful of a description, but you guys do so many things that I wanted to put it all in there.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I just have to say it's a Sarah trifecta. I don't think we've had three Sarahs before. Yeah. I love, I love having three Sarahs.
2: Welcome Sarah to our group. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like I'm in the right place. I think so.
1: I think this is going to be a good chat that we're going to have today. Uh, We want our listeners to be able to follow along and find the Good Food Foundation. So can you tell them where to find you on maybe Instagram or online?
2: Absolutely. Our handle is at GoodFoodFDN. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter by going to the website at GoodFoodFDN.org. Perfect.
1: That's a great way for people to find you. And uh, we want to talk to people about the Good Food Foundation. So maybe if we just start off by um, your description of what the Good Food Foundation is.
2: Ooh, great question. Um, so we've actually been doing a lot of work around like how do we talk about what we do? because we have these you know five different areas. We work with food crafters, we work with independent retailers. Um, and we've been talking a lot about this idea of reallocating status and wealth towards the people who are making the world a better place. Um, So, you know, I love this concept because, you know, talented people are going to go into industries where, you know, that are respected and they're going to go into industries where they have the ability to make a livelihood. And if you don't have sort of both of those things in play, Um, it's hard in the long term to sustain an industry and to grow an industry. So a lot of the programs that we do, for example, the Good Food Awards, you know, it's a recognition program. It's about celebration. You know, it also ends up um, stimulating a lot of sales. But kind of first and foremost, we just want to get a lot of amazing people together who work really hard, who are incredibly talented, and who have decided to put their talents towards Um, You know, making the environment better towards being, you know, socially responsible and making their community stronger. And that's um, not always the easiest choice to make, even if it's your values, it often means working a lot harder. Um, So... That's which you guys know very intimately. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, and I think it's, um, you know, I think those are important conversations to have because they're not always talked about when people like go into um, deciding to become a food manufacturer. And then all along the way, you have to make choices, you know. So if you were really into it to make a lot of money, the choices that you have to make aren't really the responsible choices. If you're going to do things, you know, cheaply and and for the most profit, then you would maybe choose ingredients and sourcing that are cheap and easy. So if you make those choices just initially, right off the bat, you're kind of making a choice to be poor, (laughs) (laughs) To, to to struggle. You're making a choice to be a struggling artist, even though you're like a food manufacturer. But I think that those are kind of people that get into this game of like food manufacturing, responsible food manufacturing, we are kind of the struggling artists from before. And so we move into this world and we're okay with that. But it's not always something that's talked about, you yeah. know, that that's part of of making those choices is that it will be harder for you right off the bat.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And in addition to kind of running a small business, which isn't easy for people, especially you know, many people who are drawn to something for the art and the quality and the creativity. Um, But once you become a food producer, like you're also running a small business, but you're also, if you're working in the sustainable, responsible, kind of socially um, aware way, trying to educate your consumer in the same moment as you're trying to kind of sell your product, because, you know, you might have made a really thoughtful decision on a certain kind of glass packaging versus a plastic packaging, and that's going to have increased your cost. And some of that has to be passed on and your product's going to cost more. And the the average consumer might not have any awareness kind of right off the bat of that you're kind of making those choices. And so like you have to run a business, you have to be an artist and you kind of have to be an educator. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's
1: all necessary. I think we um, do that with our glass bottles because we did make a choice to use glass bottles um, to package our sauces. And um, It took us probably two years to educate our customers that we would take those bottles back and give them a dollar credit. I mean, I said it to every customer. I felt like I didn't make a t-shirt, but I might as well have because I had a big sign on the table to just be like, bring your bottles back. We'll give you a dollar credit. This is like all better for all of us, you know, but it really took a long time. The first like few, the first year I would maybe have two or three customers that would bring product. Back bottles back, and now it's like every other customer returns wow. those things. But it does take time to to do that and work I that into the system.
0: You brought up something really important. It's um, educating consumer, and what is the Good Food Foundation doing to educate consumers? I think we have our makers kind of in line. People know what to do there. We have our buyers for CPG and learning and understanding. But what about the consumers?
2: Yeah, that's such a good question, Sarah Massoni. So we take a really stealthy approach to educating consumers. Um, You know, education comes in many different forms um, and it can be very overt um, and it can be more subtle. Um, So what we've done at the Good Food Foundation is we made a very conscious decision to lead with taste. Um, so all of our early efforts were focused on getting, um, building sort of recognition for the Good Food Award seal at Little Blue Square that will appear on some of the best, most delicious products you'll ever taste. Um, and uh, our, our thought was, let's just get people used to having an amazing sensory experience when they buy one of these products with the Blue Seal, and let's trust that um, once they are blown over by the taste, they'll start to be curious about why, and they'll start to kind of dig a little bit deeper. Um, so it's it's very much sort of like the Alice Waters seduction through taste approach, um, and we kind of see ourselves as part of an ecosystem where um, you know no one organization, no one person is gonna change change things single-handedly. But you kinda need different organizations with different strengths working in different ways that cater to their strengths. Um, So our way is subtle and others may be more overt.
1: Um, For people- For people that maybe don't know about the Good Food Foundation or the Good Food Awards, um, because we have a lot of people that are just thinking about starting a business. So um, let's talk about the difference between. um, So you explain the Good Food Foundation just kind of as an overall organization. And then you put on the Good Food Awards and then the Good Food Mercantile. But can we explain those to people that don't know what those things are?
2: Absolutely. Um, so like in nuts and bolts terms, you know, we have five main programs on um, the Good Food Awards, um, as Sarah Marshall mentioned, is um, sort of our hallmark program. And it's an, a recognition program where we have about 2000 entries um, from all, all 50 states every year um, in 18 different categories and Um, There's a big blind tasting. Those that rise to the top in taste get a second level of screening all about sustainability and social responsibility that sort of happens out of the view of, you know, the public. Um, And then those who pass that as well become the 200 Good Food Award winners each year. So that's our most. That's cool.
0: I was looking on your website. So if anybody wants to learn more about those 18 categories, you have a really nice map of the U.S., and you have little ribbons showing where the awards were, you know, which states the awards came from. And for the most part, they're spread across the U.S., which is really interesting. But in one category in particular, we have a lot of winners in California. Do you know which category that was, Sarah? This is a quiz. <laughs>
2: Oil is oil. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're right.
0: We had 12 winners from California, maybe even 13. I might not have been able to count them. They were so populated there. And then one from Texas.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. And then, but everything else was really spread out across the U.S. And I'd say if somebody wants to make a big break um, in into this um, competition, you should create a product using fish. And it should taste good because we only had six award winners in the fish category. And I think that's a big um, opportunity. You can sort of study that map, study the companies that won the awards and see where there's any gaps and see where you might be able to create a product that would fill a niche.
2: I'm so glad you brought up that map because I think it's one of the most kind of underutilized cool pages on our website
0: it's super cool Mm -hmm.
2: you can like screen by you could just look for good food award winning chocolate winners of 2014 or you could look for only chocolate winners in the south or like you can kind of screen in different ways yes Um, yeah
0: and the 18 categories i'm going to read them off really fast because it's interesting beer charcuterie cheese chocolate cider coffee confection drinks elixirs fish Grains, honey, oils, pantry, pickles, preserves, snacks, and spirits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's so many. We should make a song about it. Like a rap song. Like that hot sauce song you did, Sarah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For the the sauce fundraiser. (laughs) Yeah. Sarah, do you think that you, um, it seems like there's a lot of categories that get added um, because I think when, when the Good Food Awards started, there was only a few categories, right? Like, I think it was like cheese, charcuterie,
0: yeah, maybe one other candy. thing. I think candy was in the beginning yeah. because yeah. Um, Susie Weishack was in charge of the candy category. I remember her telling me a long time ago, you need to come to San Francisco and help me judge the candy category. And I was thinking... <laughs> oh that's what i can judge the candy but i'd rather taste the cheese
2: (laughs) yeah that's your specialty (laughs) yeah
0: i'd rather taste the cheese
2: oh that's so fabulous yes back in the early days um 12 years ago when we started we started with seven categories and each year we've um aimed to add one new category Mm. um this year we took a break we're sort of like regrouping Sure. Um, 18 is a lot <laughs> it is a lot <laughs> there there is popular demand for an ice cream category though oh. Just to judge yeah <laughs> keep, keep the right temperature <laughs> um, but yeah so that's how we've 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 grown and each time we add a category we build a um committee of experts in that category because you know me and my team at the good food foundation we're really um, sort of generalists. Like we know a little bit about this, a little bit of that about that, but mostly because we're just interested in food, all interested in food. But of course, we are not deep experts in fish. We're not deep experts in grain and we want this award to be we want all the criteria for each category to really be appropriate to where the industry's at so we might require for a preserved entry for all the fruit to be within you know 200 miles sourced within 200 miles yeah. and made, you know grown without pesticides and herbicides but that might not at all make sense for the spirits category like you know it demanding that people get their grain within 200 miles or that it you know so we we kind of build a really um Thoughtful group of a committee with like amazing volunteers with deep expertise that also help us, you know, with the tasting methodology. So it's process, but it is. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Every time you add a new category, you have to have a new team of experts. It sounds like yeah.
0: <laughs> Some of the categories, I don't even know if there really are experts. Hmm. Agreed. Like,
2: like snacks. I mean, I keep a a snack expert. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, like somebody who works at Frito-Lay. I don't know.
0: (laughs) uh,
1: We're going to take a quick break. And then Mm -hmm. when we come back, I want I would like you to talk about the good food works. So we'll be right back.
0: Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard by providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system because food brings people together. All right, Sarah, can you tell us about the Good Food Works and also the founding Funders and the originals limited edition. There's so many things on your website for us to talk about.
2: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So, um, Good Food Works is one of our five um, main programs, and it's a bit of a catch all. Each of our other programs is like very specific and a program that happens at a certain time of year. But the Good Food Works is our area to talk about more of our experimental, sort of cutting edge programs. Um, So, At one point we decided it would be really neat to launch something called Good Food Originals, where we work with some of the food crafters in our community who are, you know, some of the most talented people in the country and build together a limited edition product that we pre-sell to our group of, to a group of about 20 of the top um, taste-making independent markets in the country um, called the Good Food Merchants Collaborative. Um, and we thought this could be a really interesting, innovative sort of launch strategy um, and way to support crafters and also a way to distinguish um, some of the shelves of these amazing retailers, you know, from Zingerman's to Buy right Market to World Foods Portland to Market of Choice, who you mentioned earlier, who's been an amazing friend and supporter of the Good Food Foundation. Um, and, it, and it was really neat. Cal, uh, Cal Girl Creamery launched the cheese through the Good Food Originals program, um, an amazing um, bitters and syrups company in Louisiana called El Guapo launched um, a really interesting a variety of um, strawberry they have down there, like a strawberry syrup using this very particular um, southern strawberry. Um, but so, like we have projects like that. We have projects like we have an equity action plan that we
0: launched. I'm interested in that. And I thought it was really interesting that you said implicit commitment to equity action plan. I think that's cool. I think giving equity to those people that are generally underserved um, in populations that don't always have the information and the things they need to start, but they might have a really good food. Mm -hmm. um, That's a great place to. Put some equity out there. Yeah. I like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like um, many other organizations, you know, a few years ago, we really started to think about like, what are we doing and what aren't we doing um, to support uh, makers of color um, and those who have been um, even less served than most food crafters <laughs> um, and like how we as the foundation could Support and we really were thinking about it in a, a long-term way, um, kind of understanding that change, where there's been systemic, um, there's been systemic neglect, like change takes time. And it does. So, yeah.
0: Resources are really important to people. I think in information, I think yeah. a lack of transfer of information is one place where we can just really be supportive. And um, I think when people have the information they need, they can be so much more successful. yeah, people work hard, right? Yeah. but if they could work smart, I think it helps.
2: yeah, absolutely. And like the way we went about it we we built a um equity um Uh, committee um, made of makers of color um, from kind of our community and some we reached outside of our community. um, And we kind of asked them, what do you think would be most helpful sort of in a three-year plan and, um, you know, how to reach the communities, you know, that are also underserved in our good food community. They're underserved in kind of our underrepresented amongst the award winners as well. Um, And the suggestions and kind of therefore the the items in our plan are really wide ranging from um, something we started doing and have continued to do in the last few years, which is offering a free entry to any BIPOC owned maker. It's like one barrier to entry is economic. And it's not the only barrier to entry, of course, Um, Mm -hmm. to like actually having quotas we're going towards for judges, like BIPOC judges, because that's really a way that the word gets out and the credibility of the Good Food Awards gets out um, when people are a judge and they have an amazing experience and it feels real and professional then they go back and talk to their community about this program and builds the reputation amongst the people they talk to about the program. Um, So we've done things like that. We've um, launched a BIPOC-owned Good Food Business Seal. Um, Oh, yeah. That's cool. I'm really excited about that. And it was an idea that came from um, the black owner of this amazing coffee company called Red Bay in the Bay Area. Um, And it's 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 been super interesting, and there's also been a lot of learning, and we're kind of, you know, actually in a process right now of looking back at our plan and saying, like, okay, have we done all the progress we anticipated at this point? Which programs have been effective, what hasn't? How do we want to shift and evolve um, what we do? And doing that progress, you know, doing that, looking back together with BIPOC members of our community rather than, um, you know, me as the white lady executive director. um, (laughs) I mean,
0: I think having that Good Food Originals or the idea of being able to bring ideas in and out of all of the things you do is really smart because you don't want to institute something that didn't really work out that good. I mean, that's the same way, same thing that entrepreneurs have to think about. Like, okay, you might think you have this great flavor idea, but nobody wants to buy it. Yeah. So you have to, any business, you sort of rotate things in and out to find out what's the best. I think one of the great things about your foundation is that it was actually started um, with the buyers in mind. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that makes your foundation very powerful, actually.
2: Thank you. Yeah. So um, I wish I could take all the credit you just gave us and say like, we were that smart as to think we needed buyers from the really beginning. But it, I think um, it's smart. <laughs> it happened somewhat a little bit organically, which is to say we started with the Good Food Awards. And after the first year, we, of course, did a survey of the winners, like what worked, what didn't work, how's your business doing. And what we kept hearing is that at the public marketplace that was free and open to anyone, buyers were coming, even though they weren't specifically targeted. You know, they'd heard about it, they came mm-hmm. that day, it was at mm-hmm. the ferry building. And the, the winners were telling us the most um, impactful thing that happened was they met um, you know, they met a buyer and suddenly they've gotten order, their first out-of-town order. Um, for their product and then kind of a light bulb went off like oh of course that's going to be very powerful and how could we you know lean into that um
0: it's good to lean into that
2: yes <laughs> and with the, the the foresight of um the founder of buyright market sam moganum he um sam's awesome sam is so um visionary and so
0: generous. also. And they family. have really good ice cream. So I could see why he would want you to have an ice cream <laughs> category.
2: <laughs> they do have really good ice cream. He
0: could be on both sides of the fence. <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> uh, Derica Neles is my favorite flavor. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he said we, we had had some sponsorship from Whole Foods in the beginning. And also Byright was one of our first sponsors. And he you know, reached out to say that it would be really beautiful if we could bring together more of the independents, like right, the sort of independently owned folks, mm-hmm. which was also very visionary with, you know, then Whole Foods being bought by Amazon and some of the systems changing. And it's still yeah. a place for many, many crafters, but um, he helped us reach out to 12 of the top Independent markets in the country to uh, to create this group, the founding group of the Good Food Merchants Collaborative.
0: Yeah.
2: They all commit to supporting the Good Food Awards, to being ambassadors for great American makers and their stores, mm-hmm. to coming together at all the mercantiles and the yeah. awards celebration. And well, I,
1: I think it's really perfect for um smaller makers, especially. I think um You know, there's lots of opportunity for people that are manufacturing on a big scale to go into bigger stores. You know, there's like the Fancy Food Show. There's um, a lot of distributor shows. A lot of distributor shows. There's lots of opportunity for that. But if you're a small maker who, you know, wholesale is part of your business, but it's not the main part of your business. then I think it is really nice to connect (laughs) in a store where... um, where like values are important, I think, yeah. um, because you know, your food costs is already going to be higher. So I think with those smaller stores and those people that are part of that foundation, they understand, um, you know, price point that your price point is going to be higher. Sometimes yep. if you go to those food shows or, um, or or you're working with a distributor, the the thing that always happens first is that people try to talk your price point down. which Well, you
0: lose your margin as a maker because you're having to pay so many people.
1: So it's really <clears throat> important when you're using good quality ingredients. It's important to connect with buyers that understand that and understand yeah. that your your margins can't really be adjusted if you're going to make these good choices. And I think that that is what that is what I've found from being you know involved in the foundation and and being at those mercantiles mm-hmm. is that the people the buyers that are coming there understand all of that. I don't have to educate them in in why you know my prices are what they are or whatever. Um, it's just then talking about my process and letting them know what I do. And so I think that for our listeners out there, I think that, um, you know, it's a good place to be if you have not done a food show before. And if you, um, you know, join the foundation and, and you're making these, these choices that are important. Um, I think that it's a great place to start as far as even just a first show. Um, I think it's like the right size, it's the right people. It's well curated. It's really,
0: um, a good one. <laughs> yeah. And the buyers know that the food yeah. items that are at the show are curated, but yeah, also they're willing to accept that direct distribution. I think that's really important mm-hmm. for a startup company to be able to just, you know, ship a case of twelve of this or that right into the um, hands of the buyer at the at the small market. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's so validating to hear um, that uh, Marshall's hot sauce has had a really good experience at the Good Food Mercantile because that's exactly what we created it for. Cause we yeah. knew that there was a lot of power in the fancy food show and kind of these, um, shows that bring all tons of people together, but it they're not necessarily designed, um, with the smaller maker in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and our whole focus was like, how do we price it for smaller makers? How do we make the time commitment right for smaller makers? How do we, um, you know, make it really easy. Give a lot of personal attention to be able to, you know, have the bandwidth to answer any questions that come up, make it sort of like, you know, once, you know, one price, there's not, you can't buy a really big booth if you're Jelly Belly and then be sat next to like a really small guy, like everyone gets the same size table, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that's and- very equitable. I yeah. think to have a show floor with all that, you know, equal size booths. I think mm-hmm. that's equitable.
2: And- yeah. For many of your listeners, they're in luck because we started doing the Good Food Mercantile every year in Portland. So they don't travel very far.
0: (laughs) Although I would have to say we did have people come into Portland this year from other places for the mercantile. So I didn't get feedback from them, but from the people here in the local area, they thought it was great.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I love that people do travel from all over. Um, because it makes it really fun. You know, it makes it a little different than like, um, there's so much amazing food gatherings here. And a lot of times, you know, we have such amazing makers here that it has a great community feel, but it's kind of fun and a little novel to also have some folks um, from all around the country.
0: Yeah. And it's cool because it gave for us, Oregon State University, um, the Food Science and the Food Innovation Center, were able to be sponsors. And so we had a table at the show and we were able to interact with people and talk about what we do and then also share our booth with some of our folks that we've been working with. So it's cool if you want to be a sponsor at the Mercantiles when they're you know, moving around the country and you're in a position to be a sponsor. Like we had the Oregon Dairy Nutrition Council there, I think. Yeah. And the seafood people were there. And so there were a lot of local groups that help promote different types of food that were involved in the mercantile as well. It was powerful.
2: Thank you, Sarah, for being us, you know, and Oregon State University for being a sponsor. It was, I have to say when we came to Portland this year, we had three times the sponsors we've ever had in any other city in our 12 year history. And it was such a testament to like the pride and the support and the um, just when someone tries to do something here for crafters, it's like everyone rallies. Yeah. Like, make it a success. It was amazing.
0: Well, the Food Innovation Center was built for that purpose. We want to create value-added food products using Northwest Ingredients. And since I've been here for 22 years, (laughs) all I've ever done is really create handcrafted good food products. So... You know, the color has to be right. The flavor has to be right. Everything about it has to be right before I say, yep, you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think that um, what I really realized, too, um, at the, at the Portland show when, when you guys came to Portland this year was that everyone was so ready to be around each other again because we hadn't. And yes. it was like the perfect opportunity, even though like I knew a lot of the buyers, it was mm-hmm. the first time that I had seen them. In a few years, and the yeah. first time that um, I could hug them and be around them again, I know. and I—I I happened to be the first table at that. You show. were right and there
0: <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> <And> You're <laughs> like, and
1: so, so I greeted every person, <laughs> yeah, every person with like so much joy because like I hadn't done a show like that or been around my friends and other makers. I had only done you know the farmers market and that was it. No other events had happened. Yeah. So like I was so happy there. I feel like every every picture that I shot, saw myself, I was just like beaming because I was like, all
0: my buddies are here. (laughs) That's great. You're like, Hey, want some hot sauce? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't even know if I talked that much about hot sauce. I just like so excited to see everybody. (laughs) That's so cool. It was
1: so good.
0: Yeah. That was good.
1: Sarah, I want, I really want people to, who aren't part of the foundation yeah. to understand the process of joining it um, yes, how do and, you join? and what does that process look like for our makers out there? Mm-hmm. Great question.
2: So just like Marshall's hot sauce, you too can go onto our <laughs> website at goodfoodfdn.org and click on the link at the top that says Guild. Um, so to join the Good Food Foundation, you would become a Good Food Guild member. Um, and so once you cl- click on that link, you'll see um, all the details um, of how to join, which includes like a short questionnaire where you tell us about how you make your product and the kind of sustainable and social responsible um, values and production methods that go into it. Um, and then based on the re- your revenue size, you'll be sorted into a small, medium or large size membership. of our 600 guild members are in the small size, which means they're um, under $250,000 a year in revenue. And that is $100 a year for the membership. Um, Medium size is $200 a year. And the large folks who are making over a million dollars are at $400 a year. Um, And with your membership, you get access to sign up for any of the three good food mercantiles. Um, And this is sort of like Joining the Guild is sort of our way of ensuring that at those mercantiles, everyone there is like pre-sorted through um, and guaranteed to share um, your production values, you know, your values around the same values around sustainability and social responsibility. Because if, you know, you filled out the questionnaire and weren't, weren't doing things Um, quite the way that meet the Good Food Foundation standards, which are all on our website, by the way, if you want to look through them, you can look at each of the 18 categories and see the exact standards. Um, Yeah, and we'll also help people who aren't quite there yet find different sourcing or um, uh, ways to kind of get there. But First step would be to become a guild member. You get a free entry into the Good Food Awards with your guild membership, which is like seventy dollars anyway, or seventy eight dollars. So basically, it's free um, if you're a small, small size business, Um, and you get other benefits as well, such as um, a free posting on Good Food Jobs um, and um, a variety of other um, little perks here and there with some great organizations that.
0: So every year with your membership, you get one entrance into the the good food um judging exactly and so if you have multiple products you could have to you know to pay a fee
2: exactly okay exactly. and the fee is something like 80 i think it's gone up to 82 dollars. 82 okay and I do you
0: do you recommend that people enter multiple i i would i think
2: I do. Yeah, um, We cap we the number of entries you can enter to three because we, oh, okay. we do want it to be, you know, we, we want it to make a somewhat level playing field because some companies, of course, have a lot more marketing resources and others don't. So we don't want, you know, one company to be able to enter 10 things and flood the flood the judging panel. But you can enter up to three. I do yeah. recommend that you do it.
0: I yeah. actually see that at the judging and competition for the American Cheese Society. It's like people, sometimes when I'm in a certain category, I know that somebody's just entered like six or eight or 10 of the exact same thing. And they're trying to learn from the experience because we have a technical judge and an aesthetic judge and the technical judge will actually evaluate the product for the defects. So what's wrong with it? And so it's kind of an education piece for like a, a small cheesemaker that can't figure out what is wrong with this cheese. <laughs> like yeah, some can. of it's good and some of it needs um, some adjustments. So that is one thing about being able to enter more more items. Sarah
1: mm-hmm. Misoni, have you been a judge for the um, Good Boards? Yes, reports?
0: I think I've judged three or four times. The first time I judged. I actually, maybe the first and second time I judged cheese and then I judged uh, preserves, I think two times. So I think I've been four times when I was in person. Yes. Cool.
1: I know you're always um, a judge of some kind of thing somewhere. So somebody <laughs> asked
0: me from the wedding this weekend, I put pictures of cakes on my like loop on Instagram. They're like, are you judging cakes now? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no.
1: <laughs> just just sampling, I sampling wedding cakes. Cake. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet.
0: <laughs> I love cake.
1: Well, I think um, Sarah, you brought up the. Um, I just want our listeners who I know sometimes as a small business owner, we're like, you know, people are always trying to get us to join things, buy things, sell us stuff. But what I really want people to hear and this is why I joined the good food, um, foundation is because that first year that you join, if you're not sure or whatever you do get to go, you know, if, if you are let in and everything with your company is, is deemed, uh, acceptable for the foundation, you do get that table, that first table at a, at a show. And I think that, um, that that's important because it's not it doesn't put a lot of risk on the table for us for to join for the first time because we are getting something out of it where there's sometimes people want us to be part of different women's makers groups and movements and it costs 5 or 600 dollars a year and it's just very hard to decide it adds up what doesn't do. it well it adds up and and um And you don't always know if anything is going to come of it or if it's going to be beneficial or if anyone is going to help you in those organizations. And I feel like the great thing about um, the Good Food Foundation is that they do all those things. So your money goes towards, you know, Having this table, you can find out, you can be connected to people. Um, it also is, you know, giving your business something that qualifies you as a business that's making sustainable choices and practices, which, if that's important to you mm-hmm. um, and you're doing those things, then um, you are able to show that to people. So it's giving you actually something attainable. And then I think also just like the connection to other founders and makers is really important if you're somebody that wants to build build community with those people. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that, you know, everyone has to make a choice of what they do and what they, especially if you're a small maker. And if if the foundation is made up of mostly small makers, they have to think about that. So, I just want our listeners who haven't done it to to just know those things. But also, um, you know, I feel like when you get added... Um, as a maker, onto the resource list, like especially during COVID, I feel like you guys were really looking out for us and saying, "Hey, um, you know, we're going to make this list of of things that people can order and get sent to them." Do you do that, like you, you know, all of those things? And I just feel like. When when a lot of people disappeared <laughs> during COVID, I feel like I feel like there weren't a ton of people that were like, "Hey, we're I was do this here." For I, you. <laughs> go I, know.
0: I was on thirty Zoom calls a week with entrepreneurs. Oh man, that no, was awesome. but I
1: just want to thank you for that as a foundation. It's that it was nice of you and and great to have you create those kinds of things to help us because we did need help. And you know, mm. we lost a lot of small businesses. We during did. COVID. It's not. Something we still we
0: are business. losing yeah. businesses.
1: It's not something we always talk about, but we all still need assistance and support and um, ways mm-hmm. to recover because um, we're still in that process. And sometimes people don't realize that. And I think that you guys mm-hmm. really do. So
0: well, this, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's, some people are putting statistics out. This little thing that we just passed through, it's probably maybe 10 or even 12 or 15 years of recovery that we need to go through. Yeah, um, and sometimes we really, when something traumatic happens, we don't really see what the side effect of it is for a while. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people were heroic and they made it through this time, but all their funds became depleted mm-hmm. and now they had to stop. And yeah. so that's very sad. So I hope, you know, people um, have hope and they keep going, but if they need help, they need to reach out can ask for help.
1: Yeah, I think so for sure. And I think that, um, you know, through some of the new programs that you have, Sarah, it sounds like people that um, maybe, you know, can't afford the um, the fee. Maybe you guys are working with some of those people, especially BIPOC makers and, and women-owned businesses. Um, so I think don't be afraid, makers out there, to so reach out because I really do think it's yeah. a good um, foundation with lots of resources that would be helpful.
2: Thank you. And I'm glad you mentioned that sort of at the end, because that is our unofficial policy. You know, we don't scream it on our website. Like, if you can't afford the trade show, Mm -hmm. just let us know. We'll let you in at whatever price, you know, we can afford. But whenever we can, that is what we'll do. Because, you know, if we have extra space and there's a maker who only has, you know, $100 or whatever and, and can benefit from being there, like everybody benefits from having them there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's absolutely correct. And that's, that's how, you know, we want to be, um, good members of the community. Yeah. People need to advocate for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, unfortunately ladies, I think that, uh, I have one final question and we have to wrap up. Um, but, So, Sarah, what I would like to ask our makers normally is what the community can do for them. So we always ask our makers what they need from us, what we can all pull together and do. Um, And I don't know if that fits for you, but what do you need from the community? What can we do to help the foundation?
2: Well, I'm so happy to say that the two of you kind of mentioned all the things that I would have said <laughs> to answer this question, which is like, you know, join the Good Food Guild if, if it's of interest. If you think any of these programs might be a help for you, yeah, you try to try really, good. Um, enter the Good Food Awards. Um, if you're not sure if it might be the right fit for you, reach out when we do the next Portland Mercantile. We could give you a pass to just come walk and see the show. Um Do you know when that's going to be yet, Sarah? um, We're eyeing April 22nd of next year. Okay. Um, And I will mention in this section something really fun that we're doing that everyone could go check out next month, which is that in part of our Good Food Works, as we're already kind of innovating in that area, we are launching a new project with, Mark. you know, the pilot is going to be with Market of Choice. Oh, called the Good Food Awards Endcap, cap So we're working with about 15 Oregon Good Food Award winners. um, And they're going to be part of this beautiful N-CAP display at the Willamette um, Eugene store of um, Market of Choice. Um, And there's going to be 20% discount that they don't pay for, but Market of Choice is swallowing. Um, as part of their kind of contribution. And you can stock up on some amazing things like um, Sabejo's, you know, raft syrups, tons of great stuff. And the really, really exciting part is that this is just a pilot and it's supported by the Oregon Department of Agriculture um, to help us create this and in partnership with Market of Choice. But the idea is that if it works well, if people take notice of this NCAP and it really helps sell products, we're going to start doing Oregon good food end caps in California, in like Salt Lake City, kind of like bringing this beautiful kind of terroir of Oregon and the values of Oregon and supporting Oregon producers in other states. And eventually, we hope vice versa, like start doing, you know, uh, Idaho good food maker end cap, you know. And I think it's so cool because it just speaks to kind of like this country is vast and we're making. Different kinds of things all throughout, and like yeah. let's celebrate that.
0: There's so much of um, opportunity for domestic sales.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: I always encourage people to think about our vast nation and all of the stores and all the independent
2: places you can sell to. There's no shortage of places. I love that. I love that. And it will be September 5th to 30th. Will be the end cap display. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, we'll make sure to um, talk about it too, to remind our listeners once it's up um, to go and shop there, because that's always important for things to continue on. They have to be successful. So we'll make sure yes. that, that, that people yes. know, know about it and can shop it. Well, Sarah, it was so great to chat with you today. We appreciate your time and you. um, coming on the show and hearing all about the Good Food Foundation. So thanks for everything that you do for our maker community.
2: Thank you for what both of you do and for inviting me here today. Yeah, that was great.
1: We record Masonian and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall, and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining, everybody. Bye. Bye for now.
0: You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen.